Now, I want you to get uh, your worship guide out because there's some notes in there that I hope you will follow. Right under the, uh, the order of worship, it says uh, the 12 steps for us all. And if you're watching by television or live stream, they're going to be on the screen. I so appreciate uh, our tech crew that makes that possible. I appreciate so much their work behind the scenes and their partnership. So right under the order of worship here in the room, it says the 12 steps for us all. Step one, admission. And our text for the, for the day it will be found there. Today we begin this series I've been telling you about uh, the 12 steps for us all. Many of you will recognize that phrase, the 12 steps uh, from Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's of course true. But the 12 steps are actually rooted in the Bible and in the Jesus way of life. And this is the 12 steps for us all. Now let me acknowledge that there will be people listening to me in the room and by live stream and television who are uh, addicted to some substance. Many of you are working the 12 steps or some other uh, treatment, some other recovery program, and good for you. Uh, others of us have not yet maybe even acknowledged that we're struggling with an addiction. We believe we have it under control. Some of us are maybe hiding that. I hope for, if you are in some stage of addiction, then I hope this will be encouraging to you. I hope it will be informational, inspirational to you. But let me remind us, this is the 12 steps for us all, because we all have issues. And if you uh, will take this seriously, if you will commit to these 12 steps, to working them as I am working them, then I think at the end of these 10 weeks, we will all come out with a deeper, uh, more personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. Some of us might come out for the first time with a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus. In 1934, a New York City stockbroker named Bill Wilson now known widely as Bill W., was an alcoholic. He had tried and failed and tried and failed to conquer his alcoholism. He'd ended up in the hospital twice. But one November morning in 1934, he was at home in his kitchen, drinking already, though it was early in the day, and already was looking around to see if there was enough gin in the house to make it to the next day. Phone rang, it was an old friend of his, also an alcoholic, who said he was coming over. Bill Wilson went to the door, let him in, and the man looked different. He came in, Bill Wilson, of course, offered him a drink, and the man refused. What's going on here, Bill W. wanted to know. And the man answered simply, I got religion. He explained that he had tried on his own to conquer his alcoholism and had, and had been unsuccess, unsuccessful. The doctors had pronounced him incurable. But he said he had met the Lord and the Lord had done for him what he could not do for himself. On your handout, please look. Bill W. later described in that first quote his friend. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. What an interesting way to put it. This is not just some reorganization of his thinking. He was on, Bill continued, a different 
footing. His roots grasped a new soil. How powerful that is, not just inwardly reorganized. His roots are grasping a new soil altogether. His friend had been transformed. I was at a recovery or a treatment center not too long ago, and I heard one of the men who runs the center say about the young men there, these young men are not rebuilding their lives. These young men are building new lives. We're not talking about just cute phrases. We're not talking about trendy formulas. We are talking about deep and lasting and eternal spiritual transformation, about our roots grasping new soil. Back to the story. That encounter with his old friend who had met the Lord was the beginning, the spark of a spiritual awakening for Bill W. But he was still an alcoholic and still struggling. He ended up in the hospital yet once again, and it was in the hospital that he surrendered. His prayer is there on your handout and on your screen. He later wrote, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend, the Lord, take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Bill W. made his profession of faith public at the Calvary Rescue Mission in New York City. But he knew that his newfound sobriety was fragile and he needed spiritual underpinnings for his new sobriety. So he joined a Christian discipleship movement called the Oxford Group. And in the Oxford Group, he learned six spiritual principles rooted in Scripture and in the Jesus way of life, six principles that he recognized if we adopt these and adapt these, these could, these could help people get and stay sober. About that time, he met a physician named Bob Smith, now known as Dr. Bob, who also is an, was an alcoholic, who was getting sober. Together, they, they, they looked at those six principles of the Oxford group, that Christian discipleship group, and they expanded them, they adapted, they adopted them, and they became the 12 Steps. They changed the language somewhat to say, to speak of a higher power and God as we understand him. And that language has been the result of some criticism. We'll, we'll take that seriously, but just know that we're talking about the Christ-centered 12 steps. In 1935, those two men, Dr. Bob and Bill W., established Alcoholics Anonymous. In 1939, they wrote the, the textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous, simply referred to as the big book. The power of the 12 steps is amazing. All over the world, hundreds of thousands of people have found new life through following the these 12 steps. And it's not just alcoholics. There's Narcotics Anonymous and there's Gamblers Anonymous and all kinds of anonymouses. And it's not just for people who are addicted to substances. All kinds of uh, people from, with all manner of struggles, from, from chemical struggles uh, to behavioral struggles, have found strength in these 12 uh, steps. For nearly a century now, uh, hundreds of thousands of men and women have seen their lives change. We're going to cover these 12 steps in 10 Sundays. I'm going to combine 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. You'll see why when we get there. 
And each week I will, as I've done today, I'll list the, the step in AA, the spiritual principle for us all, and the biblical text. Remember, this is the 12 steps for us all, for we all have issues, selfishness, insecurity, family conflict, deep, dark secrets that we hope nobody ever finds out, a sense of entitlement, a sense of victimhood, and on and on. We all have issues. There's another quote on your handout uh, in your worship guide. Keith Miller, who is Christian author and founder of Laity Lodge, wrote an entire book about what he called the sin disease, and he wrote, it's in your, on your sheet there. I saw that the tenacity and compulsive nature of sin in my life acts very much like the compulsive drivenness of a person who is addicted to a chemical. And he went on to say that the 12 steps are the best means he has found for recovery from that destructive and addictive disease the Bible calls sin. Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, said it himself. It's on your handout. We are sure that our way of living, the 12 steps, has its advantages for all. If you'll follow along in your worship guide and on the screen, uh, let's, let's walk through these things. First, AA's step one. If you were to go to the big book or other material of Alcoholics Anonymous, it reads like this. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And the word powerless is the key. Saul Selby, who's a follower of Jesus and a recovering alcoholic, talked about the powerlessness of alcoholism, and here's what he said. Like the man whom the river current dragged to the edge of a huge waterfall, destined to land on the rocks below, I felt powerless to prevent my next self-destructive act. And here's the biblical principle applicable to us all. We have destructive issues, the Bible calls it sin, that are controlling us, and we are powerless to overcome them on our own. Until we admit we are helpless, we are indeed helpless. And our guiding texts from the Bible for today, Romans 7, 15, and 18. Paul wrote, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Powerlessness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The humble, admit, courageous admission of powerlessness over this what the Bible calls a sin nature, is the key to this newfound freedom. Dr. Bob, one of the co-founders of AA, went to a hospital one time to, to the addiction unit to see if there was anybody he could help. One of the administrators said, well, there is a guy on the third floor who could use some help, but he is an awfully tough Irishman. Now, if you're Irish, don't take offense. I'm, I'm Irish too, so we're all in this together. An awfully tough Irishman. So Dr. Bob went to his room, found the, the alcoholic in the bed, and 
said, sir, I have found uh, uh, something that really has helped me. I'd like to share that with you. Well, I don't need anything, he said. I don't have a problem. I drink, he said, because of my business partner and my wife. It's not my problem. It's theirs, and I don't need any help. They talked for a while. The man was stubborn, would not admit any powerlessness. And Dr. Bob said, I think I know the problem. Well, what's the problem, the Irishman said. And he responded, I think you're just a conceited Irishman who thinks he can run the whole show. And he got his attention. Well, maybe I do think that. It was the beginning of of his sobriety. Let me introduce you to four other people. We'll call them Mr. We'll start with Mr. A. Mr. A struggles with gambling. It was just recreational at first, but now he's drawn to the online gambling sites and he's bleeding money and he can't stop. Mr. B is obsessed with what people think of him. Uh, he, he wants to do more and more things to impress more and more people because he feels inferior, he feels insecure, he feels like he does not measure up to those around him, and so he, but he can't, he can't get over this obsession with other people's opinion of him. Miss C, we'll call her, sleeps with just about every boy she dates, and she dates a lot of boys, and she doesn't feel good about it, she feels cheap, she... She feels dirty, but she can't stop. Mrs. D. Mrs. D worries. She worries about everything from finances to the weather. She worries about worrying, and she knows it's driving her her crazy, but she can't stop worrying. The problem with all four of them, with Mr. A and Mr. B and Miss C and Mrs. D, the problem is they think if I just try harder, I will do better. Until Mr. A and Mr. B and Miss C and Mrs. D admit humbly and courageously there is something with power over me that I cannot conquer, until they humbly and courageously admit that, they never will get any better. Would you repeat after me? I cannot handle this on my own. If you believe that, we are well on the way to a newfound freedom, to our roots being in different soil. There is a problem deep within us all, and the Bible calls it sin. Now, I know that's an old-fashioned word, and when we hear the word sin, we think about a preacher who's hooping and hollering and pounding the pulpit and sweating so much he has a handkerchief in his hand. Do you, anybody else grow up with that kind of preaching? And when I, when I hear the word sin, I expect it to be pronounced with two syllables with a sense of indignation. Singing is what I expect to hear, right? I know it's an old-fashioned word. But there is no better word, and of course it is a biblical word. Sin is woven invisibly into our DNA. Sin is woven invisibly into our DNA. We inherited it from Adam and Eve. Our sin nature, that's what Paul called it in Romans 7, we read it a moment ago, is an overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing. Reinhold Niebuhr said about our sinful choices, they are not necessary 
but they are inevitable. This sin nature is woven invisibly into our DNA, and we can no more change that than we can change our height or our eye color. You know, I always wanted to have deep blue eyes like Paul Newman. Anybody remember Paul Newman's deep blue eyes? Some of you too young to remember him. But when I was young, all the girls were just swept off their feet by his deep blue eyes. I always wanted deep blue eyes. I cannot will my eyes to turn that deep blue. I always wanted to be six feet two, and I ain't going to make it. I cannot will. In fact, I'm getting shorter. I'm shrinking when I go to the doctor. I cannot will myself to change my DNA. I cannot will myself taller or change, will the colors of my eyes to change, and I cannot will my sin nature away. It is woven invisibly but powerfully into my DNA. Carlos Villas was a Spanish monk who was riding his bicycle through the countryside in India when he noticed that all of nature had, fa- had fallen strangely silent. An eerie hush had fallen over the countryside. He stopped and noticed not far from him the reason that, that all, of that, all of nature had fallen silent. A snake. I, in, in India, I imagine it a cobra had a little bird in its spell. The bird was sitting on a, on a branch low, well, low enough that, that it was well within the reach of the snake. And the snake, and forgive my poor snake impression, but the snake had the little bird in a trance. The bird sitting there so vulnerably on that low branch could fly away at any time, and yet he could not. Nothing was holding him there. There was nothing that had him, that was grasping him and holding him down. But, but he's, in, he's mesmerized by the hypnotic, seductive moves of this snake in some sort of reptilian trance, held, transfixed. His, his imminent demise was certain. The snake was as good as dead. The snake, the bird was as good as dead. The snake was just waiting on the right moment. But Vyas, the monk, felt sorry for the bird. So he ran toward the snake, waving his hands, diverted the snake's attention. When he did, it broke the hypnotic trance. The bird fled to the heavens. Remember, the bird could fly at any time. And yet he could not. Our sin nature is like that. We don't have to do the wrong thing. We just inevitably do, often. There's nothing that forces us into bad decisions. We simply are held in the trance of what Paul called a sinful nature, the overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing. And we need somebody from the outside to come in and rescue us from that hypnotic, controlling trance of what Paul calls the sin nature. We cannot break it on our hope. 
Louisa May Tarkenton wrote, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes, all our heartaches, and all our poor selfish grief could be laid like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. There is such a land of beginning again. Remember what Bill W. said about his friend? It wasn't just some sort of internal reorganization. His roots were in new soil. Remember what the man said to me at the recovery center? These young men are not rebuilding their lives. They're building new lives. Jesus called it a new birth. And it begins with those simple words. I cannot handle this on my own. It begins with courageous, humble admission. I've got a problem I cannot solve on my own. And we celebrate as followers of Jesus that, that though we have woven into our DNA that sin nature, someone came running in and made it possible and when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Sing it with me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white. My name is Travis, and I have issues. And if you do too, and you'll stick with me through these, the rest of these weeks, and if you will work the steps, then like the bird who had somebody come in and save him, uh, we, can, we can find a new freedom from those things that right now as the book of Hebrews says, so easily entangle